0: Chapter six of the Moors in Spain by Stanley Lane Poole This LivriVox recording is in the public domain The Great Caliph My readers may perhaps be disappointed that so far we have but few records of noble deeds or great wars, and that instead of individual heroes we have been chiefly interested in large movements of races and religions we had it is true a stirring outset with Tariq and his berbers whose brilliant conquests are no more legendary than is the history of the nineteenth century we had the great and decisive battle of tours but of this the details which might have proved of surpassing interest are wanting and the other engagement with the franks the field of Lonses-Faes, earth in the opposite direction for it is overclouded with myth since that day a hundred years have now passed and we have come to the death of Eulogius and the consequent decline of christian martyrs and in all that century we have been reading of nothing but the struggle between the different races and creeds that made up the mixed population of spanish peninsula but after all golden deeds are rare and are too often the invention of poets whose spiritual minds clothe with the attributes of ideal chivalry what are really the ordinary events of war, while the struggle of race with race and creed with creed is what the world has been incessantly witnessing ever since man came into existence. We must not allow ourselves to think that the history of these large movements is uninteresting because it has not the personal charm of individual acts of heroism in the devotion of countless unnoticed men and women during the piteous epoch of martyrdom and cordova there was perhaps more real heroism than in the impetuous deeds of chivalry displayed by rude warriors on the battlefield. It is much easier to be brave in hot blood than to endure the alarms and sufferings of long imprisonment to look forward with undaunted courage to the day of execution and keep a firm heart through it all the christian martyrs were misguided they threw away their lives without cause but their courage is as worthy of admiration as their wisdom is to be pitied flora was as a heroine as if she had sacrificed herself for a worthy sake eulogius with all his bigotry was of the true hero's mould and in all these great movements of race or faith there are numberless acts of devotion and fortitude which though they may escape the eye of the historian call for as much resolution and endurance as the most brilliant exploits of the soldier it is often in the little acts of heroism that the hardest duties of mankind are found and in the conflicts between large bodies of people there are endless opportunities for their exercise it is much easier to realize heroic character in a person than in a whole people or even a city and we are now coming to the career of men who approached as few have ever done the high idea of kingly greatness a great king is the result of great need when the nation is so beset when the times are full of presage of disaster and ruin hangs ominously on the horizon then the great king comes to rescue his people from danger to restore order and well-being and to reign over a realm once more made happy and prosperous by his efforts the needs of such a ruler was anxiously felt at the beginning of the tenth century in spain the excited conduct of christians of Cordoba had been followed by a still more dangerous and widespread rebellion in the provinces the throne was occupied by incapable sovereigns for the energetic policy of mundir who had succeeded his father mohammed in eight eighty six was arrested by his assassination in eight eighty eight and his brother abdallah who had instigated the murder was incapable of dealing courageously with the numerous sources of danger which then menaced the kingdom his policy was shift and temporizing he alternately tried the effects of force and conciliation with the usual consequence that both policy failed and he was personally so despicable cruel vile that all parties in his dominion seemed for once to be agreed in their detestation of him and they resolved to cast off his rule; he had hardly been reigning two years when the greater part of Andalusia was virtually independent. All the various sections of the states were now again in active opposition to the central power. Every nobleman or chief, were he Arab, Berber or Spaniard, seized the opportunity of bad and weak sovereign and general anarchy to appropriate a portion of the land for his own exclusive benefit and from behind his ramparts to defy the sultan the old arab aristocracy the descendants of the arab tribes who completed the conquest of spain were few and greatly outnumbered by other races but though their weakness should have kept them loyal to the arab kingdom of Cordoba, they too turned against it and established themselves in independent princedoms, especially at Seville, which now became a formidable rival to Córdoba. In other cities, though the Arabs were not strong enough to break openly with the sultan, they gave him but a nominal homage, and the governors of Lorca and Zaragoza were really quite independent of their feeble king. In no places outside Córdoba where the mercenary guards of the sultan compelled a certain outward submission were the arabs to be counted upon for the defense of the Umayyad power the berbers were more numerous than the arabs and at least equally disaffected they had abandoned any pretense of submission to the sultan's authority and had returned to their old political system of clan government the western provinces of spain such as estremadura and the south of portugal were now the independent possessions of the berbers and they also held various important posts such as haen in andalusia itself the berber family of dunnun consisting of the father musa a great scoundrel and an abominable thief and his three sons who resembled him in their physical strength and their unrivalled brutality carried fire and sword through the land and burnt sacked massacred wherever they went the mohammedan spaniards who had put on something of arab civilization along with their new faith were by no means barbarians like the berbers but they were not the less hostile to the central power the province of Algarve, at the southwest corner of the peninsula was entirely in their power and they held numerous independent cities and districts throughout andalusia Indeed, all the most important cities were in secret or open revolt. Arab governors, Berber chiefs, Spanish renegades alike joined in repudiating or disregarding the sovereign authority of Abdallah. And most powerful of all, even Habsun, a Christian who had raised the mountaineers of the province of Elvira, Granada, reigned in perfect security in his rocky fastness, Bobastro and gave laws to the regions around again and again had the sultan attacked him and each time suffered defeat now he was disposed to try the ignominious policy of conciliation only to find even Hapsun quite ready to trick him at that murcia the land of theodomyr was independent under a mild and cultivated renegade prince who governed his subjects wisely and was beloved by them who was devoted to poetry but did not neglect to keep up a considerable army which included five thousand horsemen toledo was as usual in revolt and nothing but the jealousies and divisions of the christians of the north prevented them from reconquering their long-lost territories split up as it was into the numberless little seigneuries resembling rather the estate or counties of feudal barons than portions of once powerful Lerm andalusia could have offered but an ill-directed resistance to a determined invader there were of course some gleams of light amidst all this anarchy we have said that the province of murcia was ruled by an enlightened and benevolent prince the lord of Cazlona was also distinguished for his patronage of poets and the arts his halls were raised upon marble pillars and the walls were incrusted with marble and gold all that makes life enjoyable was to be found within his palace even Hajaj too the arab king for he was nothing less of seville who had compelled the sultan to come to terms with him and make him his friends exercised his unbounded authority in the noblest manner his city was admirably governed order reigned there undisturbed and evildoers were sternly but justly punished he kept his state like an emperor five hundred cavaliers formed his escort and his royal robe was of brocade with his name and title embroidered on it in gold thread. kings from over the sea sent him presents silken stuffs from egypt learned doctors of law from medina and matchless singers from baghdad the beautiful lady moon renowned for her lovely voice her eloquence and poetic fire sang of him thus in all the west i find no right nobleman save ibrahim but his nobility itself when one has known the delight of living with him to dwell in any other land would be misery the very poets of Cordoba were attracted to his brilliant court where they were sure of a princely welcome only once did a poet receive a cold greeting from ibrahim the son of Hajjaj this was one who thought to please the prince by reciting a scolidious poem on the nobles of Cordoba, to whom the ruler of seville was not well disposed you are mistaken was ibn hazaji's comments if you think that a man like myself can find any gratification in listening to these base calumnies yet these occasional flashes of enlightenment cannot make amends for the general condition of anarchy to which Andalusia had become a prey by the weakening of the central power and the aggrandizement of countless petty rulers and brigand chiefs. The country was in deplorable states, and Cordova itself now threatened even with the conquest at the hands of Ibn Hafsun, and his bold mountaineers was given over to mournful sadness, without being yet actually besieged. She was already suffering all the ills of bilicaments. Cordova, said the Arab historians, was in the condition of Frontier Town exposed to all the attacks of the enemy. Time after time, the inhabitants were startled from their sleep, in the midst of night, by the cries of distress, raised by the wretched peasant across a river, when the horsemen of Pole were setting the sword to their throats the state is menaced with total dissolution wrote a contemporary witness disaster follows one another ceaselessly thieving and pillaging going on our wives and children are dragged into slavery there were universal complaints of the sultan's want of energy of his weakness and his baseness the troops were grumbling because they were not paid the province had stopped the supplies and the treasury was empty what money the sultan had been able to borrow he spent to bribe the few arabs who still affected to support him in the provinces the deserted markets showed how trade had been destroyed bread had reached a fabulous price nobody believed any longer in the future despair had sunk into all hearts the bigots who regarded all public misfortune as the chastisement of god and called ibn the scourge of the divine rats afflict the city with their doleful prophecies woe to thee Cordoba! they cried woe to thee sink of defilement and decay abode of calamity and anguish thou who hast neither friends nor ally when the captain with his great nose and ugly face he who is guarded before by moslems and behind by idolaters when ibn hafsun comes before thy gates then will thy awful fate be accomplished when things were at the worst a gleam of hope shone upon the miserable inhabitants of the royal city abdallah who was quite as despairing as his subject tried for once a bold policy and in spite of the discouragement of his followers and the overwhelming numbers of the enemy who surrounded him on every side he contrived to win a few advantages then he did the best thing that he could do for his country he died on october fifteenth nine twelve aged sixty-eight after a reign of twenty-four unhappy years his life had seen the fall of the umayyad power a fall sudden and apparently irremediable the reign of his successor was destined to see as sudden as complete a restoration of that power the new sultan was abderrahman the third a grandson of abdallah he was only twenty-one when he came to the throne and there were several uncles and other kinsmen who might be expected to oppose the succession of mere youth at so troublous a time yet no one made any resistance on the contrary his accession was hailed with satisfaction on all sides the young prince had already succeeded in winning the favour of the people and the court his handsome presence and princely bearing joined to a singular grace of manner and acknowledged powers of mind made him generally popular and it was with a feeling of renewed hope that the cordobans who were almost the only subjects he had left watched the first proceedings of the new sultan abdel made no attempt to disguise his intentions he abandoned once and for all the policy of his grandfather which, in its alternate weakness and cruelty, had worked such injury to the state, and in its place he announced that he would permit no disobedience throughout the dominions of the Umayyad. He summoned the disaffected nobles and chieftains to submit to his authority, and he let it be clearly understood that he would leave no portion of his kingdom under the control of rebels. The program was bold enough to satisfy the most sanguine, but there seemed every probability that it would unite all the rebels in all parts in one great league to crush the dauntless young prince. But Abdel Rahman knew his countrymen, and his boldness was well founded. Nearly a generation had passed since Ibn Habsun and the other rebels had raised the standard of insurrection, and everyone had come to feel that there had been enough of it the early zeal that had prompted the spaniards Muslim and Christian alike to strike a blow for their national independence had now cooled such movements never last unless they achieved a complete success at the first white heat of enthusiasm the leaders were either dead or aged and a calmer spirit had come over their followers people had begun to ask themselves what was the good that they obtained by their fine revolutions they had not freed andalusia from the infidel but had contrariwise given her over to the worst members of the infidel ranks to brigand chiefs and adventurers of the vilest stamp the country was harried from end to end by bands of lawless robbers who destroyed the tilled fields and vineyard and turned the land into howling wilderness Anything was better than the tyranny of brigandage. The Sultan of Cordoba could not make matters worse than they were, and there was a general disposition to see whether he might not possibly improve them. Consequently, when Abdurrahman began to lead his army against the rebellious provinces, he found them more than half willing to submit. His troops were inspirited to see their gallant young sovereign at their head a sight that abdallah had not permitted them for many years and they followed him with enthusiasm the rebels already tired of their anarchic condition opened their gates after a mere show of resistance one after another the great cities of andalusia submitted the sultan within their walls the country to the south of cordova was the first to submit then seville opened her gates the Berbers of the West were reduced to obedience, and the Prince of algarve hastened to offer tribute. Then the Sultan advanced against the Christians of the province of Regio, where for the thirty years the mountainous fastness had protected the bold subject of Ibn Habsun, and where no one knew better than Abdurrahman that no speedy victory was to be won. Yet step by step this difficult region was subdued seeing the scrupulous justice and honour of the sultan who kept his treaties with the christians in perfect good faith and observed the utmost clemency to those who submitted to him fortress after fortress surrendered even habsun himself in his fastness remained unconquered and as defiant as ever but he was old and soon he died and then it was only a matter of time for the arms of the sultan to penetrate even into babastro when the sultan stood at last upon the ramparts of this redoubtable fortress and looked down from its dizzy heights upon the cliffs and precipices that surround the rebel stronghold he was overcome with emotion and fell upon his knees to render thanks to god for the great victory then he turned to acts of mercy and pardon and all the days he stayed in the fort he observed the solemn fest Mercia had now given in its allegiance to the Sultan, and Toledo alone remained unsubdued. The proud city on the Tagus haughtily rejected Abdel Rahman's offer of amnesty and confidently awaited the siege. But it had to do with a different assailant from the feeble generals who had from time to time reaped disgrace beneath the walls of the royal city. To prove to its defenders that his siege was no transitory menace, the sultan quickly built a little town which he called elfez victory on the opposite mountain and there he resided in calm anticipation of the result pressed by famine the city surrendered and abderrahman the third entered the last seat of rebellion in the dominions which he had inherited from his namesake the first abderrahman which now nine thirty once more reached to their full extent it had taken eighteen years to recover the whole breadth of dominion which his predecessor had lost but the work was done and the royal power was firmly established over arabs berbers spaniards moslems and christians alike henceforward Abderrahman permitted no special prominence to any party he kept the old arab nobility in severe repression and the spaniards who had always been treated by them as base rejoiced to see their oppressors brought low. Henceforth the sultan was sole authority in the states, but his authority was just enlightened and tolerant. After so many years of confusion and anarchy, the people accepted the new despotism cheerfully. There were no more brigands to destroy their crops and vines, and if the sultan was absolute in his power, at least he did not abuse it. The country folk returned to the paths of peace and plenty. They were at last free to get rich and to be happy after their own way. End of chapter 6